Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, the Carlos Correa era in Flushing has come to an end. The shortstop slash third baseman is on the move to the Minnesota Twins. Six-year, $200 million contract. That's according to a source. It's also pending a physical. Correa, of course, failed physicals with the Giants and with the Mets. Uh, Medical issues are in some way subjective to how a team doctor perceives them, and the Twins are reportedly comfortable with the ankle issue that derailed Correa's uh, deal with both San Francisco and New York. Time will tell how this episode will look in Mets history. It may be a short-term disappointment for Mets fans, but it really does allow the team to be more consistent with what their plan was all along which was to sign veterans to short-term contracts, allowing for an organizational development of a farm system to happen and a more sustainable team. To be clear, the agreement with Correa last month was a violation of what the Mets had planned and departure what the Mets had planned internally on their own future. So now they can go back to what baseball operations and all the way up to Steve Cohen wanted to do. Follow that model of the Dodgers under the Guggenheim group with expensive veterans for a while while developing that organization and not plugging up the left side of the infield with aging players for years to come. Uh, That's the way they look at it. They could also be costing themselves a championship. Who knows? We can't predict the future. We don't know how Correa will perform. But anyway, he'll do it with the Minnesota Twins and not the New York Mets. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Tuesday, January the 10th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show an Apple Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. You can also check me out on Instagram, Talking Mets, no G. And of course, we want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network as well as risingapple.com. Well, not often do you get one, not one, not two, not three, but we're on our fourth show about Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa will never, well, maybe never say never, but probably won't don a Mets uniform at any time in his career. Jed Lowry will have a bigger impact on Mets history than Carlos Correa. Terrence Gore 
Terrence Gore, Terrence Gore got a hit last year, right? Terrence Gore will have more hits as a Met than Carlos Correa will ever have. And all the gnarling of the dashing of the teach, the hand-wrenching, all the other, the Mets are bad for the game. Well, I guess they're not. And all of you, by the way, all of you who want to go about winning the right way, well, you got your chance now, so I better not hear from you come June when they get shut out on a West Coast uh, trip that, oh, you know, they didn't do enough this offseason. You got what you wanted, right? So anyway, welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast and... You know, not the podcast that we expected. And quite honestly, going all the way back to the night of December the 21st or December 20th to the 21st, didn't expect to have any of this conversation. And, you know, let's go back and just quite simply think about this offseason if – Steve Cohen never picked up the phone for, from Scott Boris right after the Giants and the Correa deal and everything broke down back right before Christmas. If Steve Cohen never picked up the phone and Correa wound up going back to Minnesota after his physical fail with the Giants, what would you think about this Mets offseason? You would be happy. You got Justin Verlander to pl- replace Jacob deGrom. Kodai Senga was a huge win for some of you. I'll hold judgment. You were able to replace, you know, four-fifths of the rotation was going to be a free agent. You were able to replace four-fifths and, in theory, keep the same rotation. Brandon Nemo was back. The bullpen is better. You have three closers. Adovino is now back as well. They got themselves a nice lefty that could get lefties and righties out to replace a very spotty Joely Rodriguez. The Mets were bringing the band back with some different faces, but for the most part, the team that won 101 games improved around the margins. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, we get up, not expecting what what was to come, and Steve Cohen signs Carlos Correa. And now all of a sudden, the Mets, who are a contender, jump to the next level. A pantheon, an elite offensive team, a team that eliminated any doubt that they were going to be able to score and score at a high level, in addition to pitching at the top of their rotation at a high level and having what looks to be potentially a lockdown bullpen. And after that night, we all got jazzed up. And now, a month later, or three weeks later, unfortunately, things didn't go the way we all thought. Correa fails a second physical Mets and Correa can't come to an accord. And here we are around 8 o'clock on this Tuesday night, January the 10th. And Carlos Correa is back in Minnesota. And Eduardo Escobar is your third baseman. So this is one of the more difficult shows I'm going to do because I'm very good at providing a balanced, reasonable perspective on this team. You all say that. I pride myself on it. Some of you think I'm... Pollyannish, or I defend the organization. So maybe this show will surprise you a little bit. But I'm going to start out with the positive because there is positive. The Mets are still a good team. The Mets are still a team that should be in contention for a division. I believe they're a playoff team. They're still a decent offensive team, albeit I'm not sure they're going to average five runs a game. There's that spread again we talked about when we went to our calculator. 
you know, 4.7, 4.8 to 5.2 to 5.3. They're an offensive team that is going to rely on some young players potentially to contribute and maybe contribute in a big way. Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, maybe Mark Vientos. They're a team that's now relying on Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback to be that platoon and hit against their respective side of the plate at a high level. And although they're a little bit better offensively behind the plate, the catching situation is still probably, from an offensive standpoint, the weakest part of this team. They're also relying a lot on Pete Alonso and Lindor and McNeil and Nimmo to be the core of that offense. And in the case of Nimmo, a player that's now signed to a big contract and is going to have some pressure. So it's, a, it's essentially the same type of offense that was good last year, but prone to brownouts and wasn't really able to get the job done in a big spot in the postseason. And Correa was going to solve all that. The real thing about what happened today, before we get to the ramifications on the field, is that Mets fans got themselves jazzed up to a level that I probably haven't seen in certainly since 2007 when I started covering baseball independently. But maybe in my lifetime since the 80s and even then where maybe 87 coming in after the 86 World Series is when Mets fans were at this high feeling that they were ready to be a dominant force in the sport. And now, without Correa, the shine is off a little bit. And I hate to say it, and this is all anecdotal, but the offseason's not going to feel like a success to a lot of Mets fans. And that stinks because that's unfair. And there's nothing Steve Cohen, Billy Epler, or anybody could do between now and pitchers and catchers a little over a month away that will change that. There's no trade they could make. There's no more big fish out there that makes sense to sign. Zach Britton is not going to get the job done as far as exciting you. So what's apparently unfair about this whole thing is that by putting their chips all in, by trying to do something dynamic, something historic, and then doing what I said back when I did this show just 48 hours ago and talked about does the offseason hinge on Correa? Doing the responsible thing by saying, hey, you know, it's $315 million or so. We've got top orthopedic surgeon telling us there's issues with the, with the, with the plate in the ankle. The Giants doctors feel there's a plate in the ankle. You know, those guys in Minnesota, you know, they need to maybe look the other way. They also know the player a little bit better. You know, they need this more than we do. You know, this was a luxury for us. And like you saw reports, there's going to be others and maybe healthier versions. And we're going to regret, maybe not right now, maybe not three years, four years, five years, or even six years down the road, but somewhere in this decade-plus contract. Remember, it was over a decade, the contract. Twelve years. I've been doing this show 15 years. They were about to marry Correa for 12 years. I've been complaining about Lindor for two years, the marriage versus dating you were about to get a shotgun wedding and a half with some floozy who, you know, may not be the most trustworthy partner. 
I hate to say that about Correa, but from a health perspective, because I know nothing about him as a person. That's not that's not fair. They do the right thing, the responsible thing, the thing that good, smart organizations should do. And I'm sorry, they're going to get punished for it. The Q rating, so to speak, of this organization right now took a hit. And nothing's going to change that. And you know the only thing that's going to change that? When the season starts and they start winning, there's nothing they can do right now. Going into spring, how they would be viewed, how they'd be looked at, there's still tons of pressure on this team. But in a lot of ways, that's been dialed back because they came back to the pack. Look, this is a top five, six, seven, you want to argue 10 player in the game. You don't lose a guy, gain him, steal him basically in the middle of the night, and then lose him. And there's no reverberating effect. There is. Now, here's the real thing that bothers me about everything. And let's assume, well, we're assuming that the, the, the physical was as bad as the Mets say. Because clearly, by offering the guy six years, $157 million, about $26 million a year, which was a, a very reasonable AAV for a guy of his quality, to move positions and move from a premium position to third base, which might be better for him in his career long range. I'll play in New York, but to take that pay cut, to take that AAV, to make that sacrifice, I know you're rolling your eyes when you're rich. There, is there any sacrifices? But like from a baseball standpoint, make that sacrifice. He needed a $300 million deal. Or quite honestly, he needed what the Twins gave him, which was it looked to be what? You know, eight years, 200 million, you know, something like 200 something million dollars, 32, 33 million, uh, 32, 33 million dollars a year AAV. And I guess my question is this if this guy was the piece that Cohen said they needed to get them over the top, and putting aside Machado next year and Otani, because those are birds in the, you know, two in the bush, one in the hand, two in the bush. You have no idea if Machado wants to play here, you have no idea if Otani wants to play here. And oh, by the way, this offseason, the Dodgers have taken off, and the Yankees don't want to spend money. Good offseason to grab one of those kind of players and maybe get them at a reasonable price. You're not getting Machado or Otani for 32 or $33 million a year. I'm telling you that much right now. This guy would have came cheaper. Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big-time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one. Triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. 
already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That contract that he wound up signing with Minnesota, if the option, we don't know that. Because maybe Correa and Boris said, look, if we're going to do all these other things on the field, switch over, take the lower AAV, we want the decade-plus-long contract. When you go six years, $157 million, and you basically require the guy to take a physical that probably the Pope has to bless off on, you're basically telling him that unless, you know, I'll use the Billy Wepler word, opportunistically going to come to us, we're not going to sign this deal. You're basically handing him to the Minnesota Twins. The Mets handed him away. Now, again, not my money, but if the Twins, and they're desperate, are okay with pretty much guaranteeing between six and eight years, and I don't have the details of the contract. I'm not saying guarantee him 12 years. They have some options there, maybe. I think the Mets, if they really wanted this player, I don't think... I mean, that's a $50 million additional haircut he took. Actually, it's $210 million. Was it $210 million for eight years? And then the additional money to be earned? I mean, the guy took a $50 million pay cut on top of another 35. He took almost, you know, a $100 million pay cut. I'm not crying for him. He still make a lot of money. I don't know what more you expected him to take if you really thought you were going to land the player. You must have thought you had all this leverage. And maybe at some point up until today or the weekend, they did. Because nobody else was stepping up. But I got to think the Mets really didn't want him. And I'm going to give you something even further. I don't know if Billy Epler wanted him. I have no information, no knowledge, nothing to go by on that. But the agent... Scott Boris calls Cohen while he's hanging out on Christmas break with his wife and family in Hawaii and says, let's make a deal. You know, I know you want this guy. Cohen was pretty public about being disappointed about losing out to him. And then he got Epler involved in it. And what is Epler going to tell the boss? No, you know, you want to you want to spend this money? It's your money. No, screw you. I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. He's like, okay, if you insist, we could get this done. But then they see the physical and Epler's like, hey, Steve, you know, if I'm around in six years, or anybody's around in six years under your ownership, and we can't go out and build a team because we're sitting on a declining Lindor, a Correa that's disabled, you know, you might have a big Alonzo contract in there. Who the hell knows what the Nimmo deal is in six or seven years? You might have a ton of dead money here and a bad ball club. Now, Maybe you have a couple World Series, and in my opinion, that's worth it because everything valleys out and bottoms out. You know, th- you know, champions get ugly eventually. Happened to the 80s, Mets, into the 90s. Happens to everybody. Shouldn't happen the year after, like the Marlins, different story. Everybody gets ugly. 
You know, the Yankees, it never has happened to, but it happened to them too in the, you know, the 60s and 70s. Maybe in this era of money, it's not. Eventually it will. Things get bad, things get ugly. So I don't know if the Mets really wanted him, and specifically Billy Epler. And it also begs the question, Billy Epler is a guy that's very structured, very organized, very planned. You don't have to be around him or have inside information to see that and just seeing how he talks and comports himself. The lesson learned here is, do you really want Cohen leading the transaction ledger? Granted, him being involved and being bombastic and talking to the media and doing everything that George Steinbrenner did a little bit toned down is great for the game, and it makes it really exciting. But if you're Billy Epler who crafted out this methodical offseason, and I'm not sure Correa was ever, if he was talked about, it was probably talked about like he always uses the word opportunistically where they could jump in on a high AAV short-term deal. And probably talked about if things like Nimmo fell apart and, and, and other things didn't happen. I think as they built out their other moves, I don't think Correa was on their radar until Steve Cohen looked and said, hmm, let's just screw this and do this. And once you jazz the fans up, once you emotionally jump into that pool, I got to be honest, you got to close the deal. Because this is a thunderbolt. This is a thunderbolt. This is the first 2023 Mets thunderbolt. And I don't care if it's for a good reason. Good reason, bad reason, that's not what a thunderbolt's all about. A thunderbolt is an event that impacts the team, and they have to recover from. Now, maybe nobody in that locker room cares, and by the time they all report or come back from the WBC, a whole nother challenge we'll talk about, it'll long be a memory. Probably will. And if they start the season 13-3, and you're not going to care about Carlos Correa. But I will tell you this. You're going to be looking at the box scores out in Minnesota. If Eduardo Escobar, even if the Mets are off to a good start, is hitting 180 at the end of April... You're going to care. If Brett Beatty turns into a bust and shows that he continually can't handle the position defensively and is hitting his eh, you're going to care. If Alvarez becomes overrated and has to be sent down for more seasoning, you're going to care. And you know if, you know, Correa probably was going to pay about 130 to 135 games, but you know Murphy's Law, especially a guy that had his health questions, he's going to find a way to play 155 to 158 games this year. And that's going to come up. And I know that the media, they're not LOLing Mets you right now. And they're saying all the right things. But deep down, if this team can't hit good pitching or hit in big spots or browns out in big spots or browns out in the postseason and Correa's getting big hits for Minnesota, even if it's not in the postseason or in a postseason series, you know that's going to be talked about. So logic, and I, you know, and this is the part about Billy Epler, which we all knew deep down. It's all about those incremental probabilistic gains, the probabilistic world that all works when you're winning 100 games and you want to use that excuse at the deadline. But the emotion, the intangible nature of the relationship between the fans, the team, the media, and the things that matter in an entertainment business that's not going to fly. So 
I think the lesson here is you're going to jump into the deep end of the pool here with the fans' emotions and jump this team to to another level in the Pantheon. You got to close the deal. And all I could say is this. They did the same thing with Kumar Rocker. They walked away. Who knows if that's going to blow up in their face. Different scenario, but they have a history of this. You better hope that the advice you got is it matters. Now, odds are it does. Because another big market team that had no reason to, to walk away, San Francisco, had the same problem. Now, remember one thing. They really never gave the Giants a chance to jump into this thing. And it's peculiar because you wonder, could they have figured out a middle ground, just like they were trying to figure out the Mets? And then where Minnesota came in, you got to say to yourself, well, the Giants could have came in there too. Did he not want to play out there? Did something happen that ticked him off? It's weird. But the Mets, although logically, and that's where I'm going to go here, logically, probabilistically, let's talk like Billy Epler, probabilistically, did the right thing, and where they fall now, still a good place. This wasn't the only thing they were going to do this offseason. This isn't 2018 where this was their shot. This was their guy to upgrade the offense. They still have a good offense. There's a bigger margin of error today than there was 24 hours ago when we thought they were going to seal a deal with Correa. And what's so weird about it, so weird, is that I felt really good about things finally coming together at this time yesterday. You heard what Bowden said on the on the front office show. Uh Nightingale seemed to think that Steve Phillips. The longer it dragged out, you know, the longer you figured they're just trying to cross the T's, dot the I's. And then this bombshell comes down with Rosendahl and Heyman about the twins. And quite honestly, I looked at the Rosendahl report in The Athletic. It was really regurgitated stuff, not much reporting. I'm like, okay, it's just a way to, you know, negotiate. Heyman's was a little bit more meaty, and I know Heyman has a connection with Boris. So I was starting to get a little worried, but I'm like, ah, this is just the 11th hour. But it turns out the Mets waited for the Boris and Correa camp to blink, and they didn't. And they got their deal. And maybe that was the only team they were going to get a deal from outside of the Mets. But six years, if the report's true, $157, $158 million, you're really not giving them a reason to want to sign a deal with you. You're not giving them a reason to move to third base. What do you think he wanted to play that badly with his buddy? Money talks, people. Friendship walks. So what does this mean going forward? Well, the Mets are going to have to continue to see if there's opportunistic reasons to improve the team. When you hear names like Zach Britton, guy who hasn't pitched very much in the last year or two, those are the kind of uh, offers, you know, minor league deals, um, you know, I don't know how many roster spots they're going to willing to give. You know, I think Britain's a guy that's going to want a roster spot. But who are there? What are kind of assets are on the market? Players that are starting to see the musical chairs disappear that may come here on a, a, a decent one or two year deal that can help, whether it be a bench player, a reliever. Not sure there's another starting pitcher you could get. Offensively, I don't know where you could go. You know, you would have talked about Conforto or a guy, maybe Jerks and Profar, maybe. But you got Canna. Do you move Canna more into a 350-at-bat role? Or, you know, have some kind of flexibility with, with Profar and his on-base skills? I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I have a feeling they're going to focus more on the bullpen and pitching and bench and ride with what they got. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But after you got these these fans jazzed up to have this dynamic A-Rod Jeter tandem, maybe a modern-day Mets version of A-Rod and Jeter, Correa kind of fancies himself after, I guess, A-Rod was a, an idol of his. And now it's gone, and the Minnesota Twins doctors are willing to take the risk of what they know about the ankle, and you're not. And you look at the money and the haircut he took, and you're like, well. And then you hear, well, they could go after Machado next year. They go after Otani next year. Okay. Different market, different time. And you don't know, you know, there are going to be other needs. You know, Scherzer might opt out. You know, you don't know what Alonzo and McNeil, as they get closer to free agency, what that's going to cost and look like. You know, bird in the hand, a player that wanted to play here. Lindor liked him. Dynamic player. I'm going to give Steve Cohen and Billy Epler the benefit of the doubt because, quite honestly, they've been proven in their short track record to know what they're doing. But I'm going to tell you this. It's going to take a lot to wash this one away, this thunderbolt, this feeling that you have right now. And it's probably not going to be washed away until the season starts and some actual meaningful performances happen because spring training is going to be scattered this year because of the WBC. Now they'll say the right things and there'll be plenty of positive things to write about. And look, it's always fun. You all, you know, kids, homegrown talent, Alvarez, Beatty, Vientos. Always going to be fun to see how that works out. I mean, Beatty looked like he was blocked for, you know, forever and was ticketed to another team or the outfield. And that's not happening now. But all the, but that adds a little bit of pressure. You know, they might need Alvarez now to produce a little bit. I'm not saying that they have, you know, it's not like they're a bad offensive team. It's that the same questions about the brownouts and about as you get to certain parts of the lineup, especially if Ruff and Volga back don't do their part, especially if the catching continues to be subpar. You know, Kana, I like him, component player, but you know, solid player, but not a dynamic guy that could carry an offense like a Correa. He's component. It's disappointing. It hurts. It's bothersome. And none of this was even on our radars on December 20th. Wouldn't feel this way. We'd feel good about the team. But a lot changed in that 24 hours. And Cohen pushed this team into the deep end of the pool, the real deep end. And now kind of has to pull them back. We can trust. We can believe. We have enough small sample size in a couple of years, more than enough, to believe that this is going to be okay and this is the right reason. Doesn't mean it's not bothersome. It doesn't mean that this was a big loss for the Mets because it's a big loss for the Mets. That's all I can say. Sometimes doing the right thing, what is it, Howard Cosell said, what is right is not always popular, and what is popular is not always right. And if there's ever truer words that have been said regarding Carlos Correa, it's those words. I believe Howard Cosell said that. Maybe he stole it from somebody else, but I remember hearing it out of Howard Cosell's mouth. And that's how I'll leave you tonight, because that's what it is. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. By the way, I screwed up the Instagram 
promo on the way out. It's Talking Mets No G. Not Talking Mets Podcast No G. Talking Mets No G. And by the way, the No G is thanks to our good friend Jeff Cohen. He was one of the luminaries that was on the, the panel back in the early part of the offseason. And he always says No G to me. And that's what the inspiration for Talking Mets No G. Part of me, you know, wants to use that on Twitter, but I don't want to play around with the handle. So we'll leave it at that. But anyway, want to thank everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, and you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Also check out Instagram, talkingmets, no G. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with another show on Sunday. Sit tight. The world is not ending. It just hurts a little bit right now. So then, take care, everybody. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.